Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. I'd like to introduce our newest sponsor, Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Looking to host your first swim meet or replacing an old timing system? Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop using superior swim timing. You can use superior swim timing with your existing equipment, or they can provide you with a complete timing solution, including deck harnesses, buttons, and starter. SST is fully compatible with HiTech and Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. Go to superiorswimtiming.com to learn more and be sure to tell them I sent you. One of the best ways to build power in the pool is by using a tower. I got introduced to Chuck Destro. Because of the way Chuck designed them, they can break down and ship in a much smaller box so they can ship anywhere in the world for a reasonable price. Use code BRETT at checkout and save $150 on a double swim tower. That means if you order two, you can save $300. Order four, save $600. Go to destromachines.com to get your team stronger in the water today. I'm giving away not one, but two Swim Nerd Pace Clocks on the first night of US Olympic trials. Find the link in the show notes to enter. All right, John Lone, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? I'm doing great, Brett. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, you are the associate editor, editor-in-chief at Swimming World magazine, correct? That's correct. I've been with Swimming World in some capacity uh, since 2000. Took a little uh, hiatus over to Swim Vortex with Craig Lord there for a little bit. And uh, yeah, but Swimming World gave me my start uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, and uh, just fell in love with the sport from that day. Yeah, if anybody's read anything about swimming in the past 20 years, they've certainly read your articles. And um, so it's nice to put a face to the to the name and to the words. And um, I've seen a bunch of your interviews before, but uh, and I appreciate you doing this today. Thanks for that. No, I appreciate you having me. I mean, I've enjoyed all this and hearing just from the different athletes. And uh, it's neat to see you bring it in this context where mine usually is with the words. I like to see it. Uh, you know, I like it in the interview Uh approach is great yeah swimming world and, and yourself you've been fantastic supporters of this and, and putting out articles based on the podcast itself so i really appreciate that and getting the getting the word out there um it's nice to be supported and and look i think you know you have the same intentions as, as i have i love swimming i want to promote the sport i want to get it out there and you guys have been certainly fantastic in in supporting that so thank you very much that's been a great partnership yeah, absolutely. So listen, how did you then get into swimming? Like, where, where's the, what's the background here? Yeah, my, uh, my introduction to the sport is a little, uh, is a little un, unconventional in terms of that I never, I never swam. Um, I, I really, I regret it uh, to this day. And I, I know I could pop, probably hop in and, and get into the master's world. But um, I, uh, I was a, a local newspaper reporter uh, during college and they, uh, just a, a small town newspaper and said, Hey, uh, you're going to cover the swimming beat for the winter high school. And I'm thinking, all right. And basically they were giving me what nobody wanted. And where is this? I walk, in, I walk into upper Darby high school pool. So this is in Southeastern Pennsylvania, just outside okay. of Philadelphia. And I see this kid win the hundred breaststroke by about a length. And I'm thinking to myself, I know enough about sports that that's not normal. Well, the kid's Brendan Hanson. <laughs> so, I uh, I had to get up to speed in a hurry. And at the time, Brendan was a sophomore in high school. And we had two guys also uh, in the area, uh, Eugene Boats 
who went on to race for South Africa in the 04 Olympics, and a guy named Mike Grube. And Mike Grube was the second fastest high school sprinter that year behind Anthony Irvin. So I had to get up to speed in a hurry and I didn't want to screw this up. I wanted to prove myself at the paper, but I knew there was something unique about these guys right there. And so, um, yeah, I started doing my research and, uh, you know, learned about those guys. And then I started pitching some ideas to swimming world. They shot me down a few times. I tried to get an article on Brendan. Um, they said, nah, it's not time for that yet. I, I did it again. They said, not, not right now. And the third time around, they said, okay, how about you do a piece on some up and coming breaststrokers? This is 2000, probably the spring of 2000. And they said, why don't you do something on Ed Moses, Kyle Salyards, Kristen Woodring, Brendan Hansen, Dave Denniston, Pat Calhoun. Mm. And the cover story was Megan Kwan, um, which somebody else was handling. And then I was doing the supplemental piece to it. And they liked the article. They came back to me a couple months later and said, you want to do something on the Curl Burke Swim Club, do a feature. And one thing led to another, and here we are 21 years later. I uh, absolutely fell in love with the sport and became a sponge. Um, but that's pretty much the story of that. I lucked, I lucked out. Wow, that's super cool. I didn't know that. that that's yeah. awesome. Now, so, you, you must have a pretty close relationship with Brendan Hansen. then. He, he was kind of the first guy that introduced you to the sport. Yeah, the, the, the really nice thing about that was um, you know, he, Brendan – just gave a lot of his time to me and the family, um, his dad, Buzz, his mom, Miriam, like we became really close uh, as a group. Um, his parents were at my wedding, um, just good people. And I'll never forget that Buzz took me aside a couple times and would just give me, um, you know, some, some pointers, some information, um, just getting me more knowledgeable about the sport. They always had the time. And then, and then Brendan and I grew together him as this up and coming, um, you know, future six-time Olympic medalist, um, and me as a journalist. And, um, yeah, I, I owe a lot to him for, for kind of taking me along on a ride. Um, I went out to the 2000 Olympic trials just to cover him and Maddie Crippen was at Villanova university. So I was covering the two of them. Well, the first night, Matt, and I'm, I had to really sell this Brett to get, to get out there, a local newspaper. We didn't have a ton of money to get out to, you know, to spend. And they're like, well, do you really think either of them could make it? And I said, I'm promising you one of them makes it. So the first night, Maddie Crippen finishes second to Caitlin Sandino in the 400 medley, and she punches her ticket to Sydney. And I'm thinking, oh, I sold it. <laughs> I'm in good shape now. And then Brendan has two third-place finishes as a, a recently graduated high school senior. Mm. And it just it made the whole thing really work. And then I was able to, uh, to convince them to go to – Long Beach four years later, and then, you know, I've been pretty much everywhere since then. It's pretty cool that Brandon went on to be one of the legends of the sport too, you know, and especially about in the U.S. Yeah, and, I mean, and when I mean I saw him in – this is this little dingy – I mean, when I mean dingy, it was this. It was a dump where, where I saw him <laughs> at Upper Derby. They've redone their pool now. It looks great. But this place was – first of all, and I'm this moron who walks in there with long sleeves on. It's it's like a hundred it's a hundred in there. There was no filtration in this place at all, <laughs> and uh, you know you learn a lot of lessons along the way in this sport. But uh, yeah, you, you look back for all he accomplished with the world records and Olympic medals, and and I saw him in this little um, you know little place in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, listen, I want to go back and, and talk about the history, but in terms of the history of swimming, yeah. you've just written a book and. Um, Congratulations on that. I mean, it's not your first, though, is it? This is number five. Number um, five. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. But this one's called Below the Surface, yep. the History of Competitive Swimming. So what's the background on this? Why Why did you go in this direction? <clears throat> so the idea, Roman and Littlefield's the publisher, and uh, early on they had me do a, a piece that was the top 100 swimmers ranked. We did something about I was going to bring that up, by the way, the top yeah. 100 swimmers ranked. Uh, I was flicking through it, and i got to tell you, I don't know how accurate it is. I didn't see my name in the top hundred. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm, hey, I'm the other thing sure. is, I'm questioning myself on every single ranking because, man, what what matters to me doesn't necessarily <laughs> matter to somebody else too. That that was a hell of a that was a hell of a project to 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 try. Um, exactly. Sorry, I cut you off there. No, like, no, all good. So I did that one. Uh, we did a second edition of that. We did a a book that was the top Olympic moments. 
And so as we started moving, and then we we had another one that um, served more as an encyclopedia type of book. And so I, I talked to the the uh, acquisition editors over there, and I said, you know, w- what we haven't done is a complete um, a look at the sport where it talks about the legends, it talks about controversies, uh, the, the element of doping, um, rivalries. Where can we can we put, let's put something together where we can look at all these subtopics and let's put them into one let's put them into one book, and that's where that's where this one came from, and. Uh, it was by far the most difficult of of the books to write, but it was also the most um, it was the most satisfying. Uh, I'm a I'm like a history nerd when it comes to the sport, and uh, you know, from going from not knowing a single thing to um, to having fun with the research of it is you know, for me it was fun to to really dig back and look at all that stuff. How did you come up with the subcategories and and was there any that missed out on the book? So there weren't any that missed out, but what happened was there were some chapters uh, that had to get cut. And uh, I'm trying to think, it's funny, I, it's it, the book's a two and a half year process and I'm trying to think what made the cut and, and what ended up getting eliminated, mm-hmm. um, which then I can use for, for other material. But uh Basically, I wanted to look at just the main themes in the sport. And obviously, uh, rivalries is a major theme, especially in a sport where um, you, have, you have such great rivalries between countries, between individuals. Um, the whole doping element because of stories like Michelle Smith, uh, the East German program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be able to then recognize the top coaches and, and, and athletes, it just seemed like, let me pick these I think it was eight specific themes that that struck uh, diversity uh, at the end um, was one um, where I was able to focus on, you know, what like somebody like Colin Jones has done. Somebody like Edith Bragitha, who was a Dutch swimmer in the 70s, who gets no credit whatsoever. But she broke barriers as the first uh, black woman to medal um, at Worlds and the Olympic Games. And so um, it was just important to focus on uh, specific topics that that had a real uh, strong presence in the sport. Now, before we go on, where can we find the book? Where can people get it? And when is, when's it out? When's it out? So uh, the nice thing is that, yeah, they delivered my copy. So now if you uh, orders on Amazon are being processed, um, you can go through Barnes and Noble, pr- pretty much anywhere that sells books. And we're Roman and Littlefield is the publisher. You can order directly from there and it's, it's available hardcover or, uh, or ebook. How many pages is it? I think we're about 310. Okay. I can manage that then. Yeah, we're about three. A little, about, a little more than 300. And then, um, is you know, has, what's that? Is there pictures in there? Yeah, and that's what I was, uh, Peter Bick, who's been the photographer for Swimming World for, God, at least since I've been there. Um, he's helped me with every one of these projects, just donating pictures. And he sent a bunch of stuff that he's had through the years from uh, photos that he had of Matt Biondi. Um, from when he was shooting him at the at the IU Nat during Olympic trials, and um, yeah, so that spices up a little bit of the of the pages and pages of my writing with a Peter picture thrown in there. Is uh, you have the you got the book in front of you? Yeah, I have it here. Just hold it up. So we yeah. gotta look at it. See what the see what the cover looks like. There it is. So that's uh, obviously Beautiful. That's Michael there. Um, and yeah, they did a nice job with the cover. So right, that's awesome. Beautiful. Thanks. So in terms of in terms of the research, did where where were you looking for, for information? So um, lots of interviews that I've had through the years, um, contacts and then interviewing a lot of people from stuff that was pre-me. Um, Sports Illustrated used to do an amazing job mm. covering every single every single NCAAs, nationals. AAU championships. They would send uh, writers to Australia frequently to do features. Um, so there's a lot of the stuff from the 60s, like Don Scholander stuff um, and 70s, um, definitely comes from me digging through SI's archives. A lot of New York Times stuff that was helpful. Um, so definitely working off the shoulders of people who put in the time before me. Awesome. I love it. What, what did you discover about the Australia? USA rivalry that is of interest? You know, the one thing that I think strikes me that 
Australia doesn't get enough credit for, and occasionally it comes up, is if you take the two populations, um, just the richness, the richness um, that Australia has with what, about 20 million people versus 350 million here. Um, it's spectacular, the talent that's produced <laughs> in Australia. And you know, when you when you break down the numbers and, and you go mathematically with it, it, it really is unbelievable. Um, and I think there's I, I do think there's a respect factor. I think one of the most misunderstood stories is um, the 400 free relay from, um, you know, when Australia won on on home soil there in 2000. Um, yeah, Gary, Gary Hall, you know, stoked the fire a little bit. And, and obviously people look for bulletin board fodder. Gary was trying to um, tip the cap to Australia and, and what that country is able to do. But then they took a snippet out of the out of that full quote that says smash them like guitars. Mm. Well, I would do the same thing if I was the coach, too, or if I was you know, news, you know, as a newspaper writer, it's what you're doing. Um, but I do think there's a there's a definite respect level. Um, but I think from my personal standpoint, I have a huge respect for I, I would love to go and just I mean, with family and everything, it's not to, I would love to go and just spend a few months to do a book on Australian swimming. Oh, um, um, well, I'll tell you what, that. yeah, that would be fantastic. It would, the, the history of Australian swimming is deep, just, just like the U S and, and they're passionate, man. It's funny. Yeah. As, as we're sitting here chatting, you've got a book coming out called below the surface. I'm part of a documentary called head above water, which came out today in, Australia, it comes out tomorrow in the U.S. Uh, on Amazon Prime, and uh, Kieran Perkins just sent sent me a message and and said congratulations and a bunch of other guys, Ian Thorpe and Michael Clement, chatting. I'm I'm on a little group chat right now, so um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But yeah, the the history of Australian swimming, man. Oh my god. I mean, if you go back just 1912, the the first the first gold medalist in female Olympic swimming, Fanny Durack, is Australian. Mm. Uh, then you go through that 1500 phase of Murray Rose and John Conrad's and it's, it's just spectacular. I mean, the Dawn Frazier obviously being the first three peat Olympic champion in any event, um, you know, it just goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. man. it's, it was a very, I was very lucky to grow up in a country that um, just loves swimming. You know, it, it was just in our blood. Um, to be a swimmer was was held in such high regard and that was probably one of the reasons why i never quit swimming is because it was like revered if you were a swimmer you were you were uh, admired you know and so if i had something in my life finally like i wasn't very good at anything else i was just average at everything mm -hmm. but swimming i was i was decent at it you know and it, and it, people looked up to me I would, i'd have a little you know, article in the newspaper like you did with Brandon Hansen and, you know, you clip it out and, and people in the community would talk about, you know, it was just something of pride, you know, right. and then to finally, you know, be part of these, you know, classic Australian teams in 2000, 2004. Um, I, I've been very fortunate like you. I'm, I'm passionate about swimming, man. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd in that sense. I've never, I haven't written any books, but I love the podcast. <laughs> Right. I tell you, what, the one person who just has been an awesome to talk to about it, and, and he's working for us at Swimming World now, but Ian Hansen. I mean, mm. to talk to Hanso um, mm. and to have him, you know, just um, he oozes that that pride as someone who used to be in the newspaper business and then went on and was was a PR guy with Swimming Australia. Um, you know, he's taught me a lot about the 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 love that the country has and and how much passion people people there have for what the swimmers accomplish. I mean, the fact that Swimming Australia is about to have its Australian trials on Amazon, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Oh, it's awesome. Look, honestly, back in back in 2000, when, you know, when we had the Olympics and and swimming was kind of at its height, we we experienced things like that. And it kind of disappeared over the past, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years kind of swimming went on the back burner a little bit in Australia, but it's good to see it back now. You know, they've got some, they've got some champions um, and, and they've got some contenders and, yeah. and they're, they're back to being a very strong, respected team again. They've got great coaches that they've always had that um, and they've got pride. So it's going to be super interesting to see how things shake out in Tokyo. Um, 
but listen, man, look, the, the book itself, I'm, I'm, you know, really happy for you. I hope it sells nice. a million copies. I'm going <laughs> to pump it out there. I'm going to get it out there. But um, what else about the book that, that any other surprises and any other things of interest in there? You know, uh, as I page through it, <laughs> and I like to be caught off guard. That's actually probably a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what was one that was that was really interesting was the Rick DeMond story. Um, yeah. yeah, that has a whole chapter in here. And, and Rick DeMond at the time was um, this is the '72 Olympics, and he's 16 year old kid who um, did everything right by filling in. You know the, the the proper um, protocols of what he was taking for asthma and, and the adults let him down. And, and then he was, he was brought, you know, he goes and wins this 400 freestyle and then he's, you know, there's a, they find some traces of, of uh, medication from his asthma and he's brought and basically thrown to basically thrown into like a lion's den or thrown to the wolves um, in front of, an IOC committee that was just not going to let him go. Mm. And, you know, years later they, they, they admitted some errors, but you know, as I'm researching that story, that was, that was a heartbreaking story because he was, like I said, he was a 16 year old kid. Mm. Um, and so that was, that was a, an interesting one. I think the Michelle Smith doping story where Ireland, you know, they, they, ref, they refused to look at the, the progression she was making, they were, there were a handful of individuals, but I mean, the, the officials, the, the suits, they, they refused to say, Hey, something's amiss here. I mean, you don't go from being someone who's bounced easily out of the prelims to, to winning that many medals in the Atlanta Olympics. Um, at, at that age, it just doesn't happen. And, uh, and they, they pointed fingers saying everybody's jealous and, and this and that. And, it's just, I think a lot of the details from the research um, were interesting. And, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a nerd for that kind of stuff. And, and I, I really enjoy just learning. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it, I remember watching her and thinking to myself, this is not right. I mean, something's right. wrong here. And, you know, if you have a swimming eye, you can kind of pick, pick those things up, but you, you know, you spot those things from time to time. And mm -hmm. I still think, you know, there's issues, these days, you know, yep. um, we, we still haven't got a, a final ruling on Sun Yang, have we? Uh, I mean, I think he just went to trial for the second yeah. time. Yeah. So they're saying that the ruling will come uh, by the end of June. Of course and, it will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because uh, China's opened the door that if if for some reason this the court of arbitration for sport finds him not guilty this time around, um, they'll slot him right into that two and 400 and probably, oh, yeah. probably the eight, two, to be honest. No doubt. No so, doubt. At all. Whether that happens, I don't know because this time around the, the case was behind closed doors. Well, it, first of all, it was virtually done and then it was closed to the public where the first one, which was a circus. And then they had all sorts of technical issues mm. was public. If the same, if the same, uh, if basically everything is laid out the same way and there's no new evidence and data, I don't see how the CAS can reverse the decision, but <laughs> we've been shocked by verdicts before. So um, it would be, that would be something else going to Tokyo. If he, if he ends up on deck racing. Yeah, absolutely. That would be oh. a shocker, but you know, we had kind of the same situation in, in 16 with Russia. True. We had those athletes jumping in last minute, and yeah, um, yeah that was that was wild too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, guess I don't think we've seen anything like from the Duncan Scott Mac Horton podium protest from Guangzhou mm -hmm. from the Worlds. Um, if for some reason Sung Yang uh, mm -hmm. competes in the Olympics, we haven't seen anything yet in terms of protesting his presence. Oh yeah, for sure. That'll look, mi that'll look minor. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be crazy. Um, especially if he finds his way onto the podium too, you know? So, Absolutely. Geez. Um, well, what about the state of U.S. swimming? Where, where do you think we are? I mean, it's so hard to kind of get a feel for we're only days away from the trials and, and we're probably going to release this podcast, you know, a couple of days before the second wave, you know, and right. uh, where all the top athletes are competing. Where are we at, you think? 
this is one of the this is definitely so much more difficult to forecast and to to predict than 16 12 you know 8 4 the, the last ones i've been to because you you don't have this uh this typical preparation um track to go to go by like we've had in the past what i will say is the one thing that the united states has always done and here we go again the young the young kids are are showing their the young girls i should say i mean we've got this claire curzan oh, yeah. 16 year old who um could go to tokyo as the favorite in the 100 fly i mean she's been 56 20. i, I think we're going to see 55 in omaha from her world records 55 mid so mm. uh, you know right there but it, every time around you know whether it was um you know amanda beard back in the day uh, Megan Kwan at one point, and I'm only picking a few, Katie Ledecky in 2012. There's always those, some of those young teen girls who come, come across. What's that? Missy Franklin. Missy Franklin. And the thing that's interesting this time is that kids like Curzan and Tori Husk, who has a great chance, they probably weren't ready last year. Mm. Um, and so in a way, um, and I don't mean that this to sound flippant or anything, but the the pandemic played to their favor. Mm. Um, in a, you, you know what I mean. I don't mean this that to sound that's that sounds off. But having no, no, it, listen, I agree with you, man. I I think I think that's the case for some guys too. I honestly think yeah. it's the case for Michael Andrew, to be honest. Oh, I think you're absolutely on target on that one because he he's found his way here. Yeah, and he wasn't where he needed to be last year. You're right. No, no. Um, and then on the the reverse side of that, a guy like Lochte who's hanging on. Um, veterans like Adrian and Grievers. Um, yeah. You know, where does that extra year, what does that year do to them to, um, in terms of being able to make that one final hurrah? So it's, it's definitely added a, an underlying current to the whole, whole trials, um, this, this extra year. Let's, Let's talk about Michael uh, again, just briefly before we move yeah. on to someone else. Um, you know, there's so, so much opinion about him and so, so many um, comments. And look, I ha and I've had him on my podcast and I've told mm -hmm. him this. I had an opinion based on what everybody else was saying until I actually met him at the um, Man Nostrum tour in, in 18, I believe. We went, okay. to, we went to Man Nostrum. It was the first time that his parents weren't with him. He was traveling by himself and we were, we were touring around Europe. <laughs> and man, this guy was so put together, you know, yeah. uh, he was just a great kid. He was doing everything he needed to do. He was smiling. He was, he was the best um, teammate in terms of being part of the group that was traveling, you know, and then he would compete as hard as anybody, you know, but he'd shake your hand at the end and he'd smile and he'd congratulate you. Just like, you couldn't find anything wrong with this kid because he competed hard, but then he would be on the other side. So, like, I have nothing bad to say about him. I think he's fantastic. And you know what, Brett? That says a lot about his character because for someone who was thrust into the spotlight the way he was at 14 years old and and told then or, you know, sees this whole uh, internet universe mm -hmm. and, and, you know, comments every which direction that he – the fact that he stayed grounded, mm. that he – carries himself in that way tells you a ton about his character yeah and and that's impressive in itself that he that he didn't get caught up in the so mom and dad did something right or he's just that he's just wired perfectly um it's a testament to to him that he's that he's gone from being thrust into that that spotlight that hard and that quickly um that he can that, that he can kind of carry himself in, in a such a professional and classy way. Well, the, the, the thing on him was he will never be an Olympian, you know, like, oh, he'll never make the Olympics. Well, now we're in a situation where, you know, he certainly could make it in, in, in the hundred breaststroke. I mean, his hundred breaststroke a couple of weeks ago was fantastic, you know, hitting yeah. a couple of 58s. Uh, he's been training for the 200 IM yeah. and then he's got the 50 free at the end of the program. So right. like, you know, he, he's got chances. So where yeah. do you see his best chance being? Well, bef before um, what he before he went to 58-6, I was thinking in the breaststroke, 
I thought we were looking at the 50 free was probably his best chance, even though there's really only one spot available there. Let's face it. Um, yeah. You know, after Caleb, it's it's a dog fight for one spot. Yeah. Then he drops the 58 six. And that was big because that gave him that's given him some uh, some cushion between what we've seen elsewhere around the United States now. So I would I would say the 100 breast is his best shot. But then he also hits a 156 high to medley. Yeah. The 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 one question I can't figure out right now is you know what what version of Chase Kalish are we going to see mm. at trials because if he's anything like he was um, 2017 Worlds if he can get back then it's Chase's it's Chase's world in the medley uh, in the United right. States um, and then for Michael it comes down to um, he's look he's going to have the lead at the 150 there's no other yeah. way around it. He's going to, and, and it's not going to be a, a little lead either. It's going to be a sizable advantage. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, can he keep together and put a strong enough freestyle leg together um, where these guys are going to be tracking him? And um, he's going to, but he, at the same time, he needs to go to those strengths. I think, I mean, he needs to blast those first three fifties um, where he has that, that key advantage over everyone. So, well, yeah, I think he's either going to be an Olympian before then or not, right? Yeah. Is the 100 breast first? 100 breast is uh, uh, prelims and semis on day one and then day right. two. So that's the other thing. He he might have this free ticket by yeah. then. Yeah. And yeah. Look, if he punches a ticket, if he punches himself onto the team on night two, yeah. look out. He might be able to make all three of those meaning that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't uh, disagree with that. You know, um, for me, especially in the 50, knowing the 50, that's that's kind mm-hmm. of my thing. Is like I know there's there's a time that you have to hit. It's not whether you finish first or second. It's like for me, right. and, and Anthony Irvin's in this conversation too. Is Anthony good enough to make the Olympic team again? I don't think Anthony's going to the Olympic trials to not be an Olympian, you know. that That's the way I feel about it, you know. But For all he's done, why, yeah, why would he go to be an also-ran? That's yeah. not his mentality. Yeah. No, that's not his mentality. And I love how he's just flying under the radar. Yeah. So, like, for me, there's times. And, you know, you've already mentioned the 58-6. I think Michael has to be there again. Yeah. There's no way he can be slower and be expected to make this Olympic team. He's got to be on that. And and even for a cushion to be a, a few tenths faster, that would yeah, be think, that would be ideal. I think an American record probably will. Because, look, look the 100 breasts in the United States, if you – if you look around now is it needs to take a step in the, it needs to take a step forward. Yeah. And that's going to mean an American record. Um, so 58, three for Michael seems yep. of what he did um, doable. Yeah. So what's yeah, your I, number on the 50 free Brett? My number for a guarantee spot is 21, three. That's a guarantee. You know, Caleb's yeah. going faster, right? But for that second spot, I agree with you. You know, first is, uh, nothing against anybody out there, but first is Caleb's, you know, uh, right. he, he, he's just that good. So I, I imagine Caleb's either going to be around the world record, you know, under it or, or right around it, um, which is going to put him in that 20 point, 21 flat range. You know, he could be faster. He could be 20.7 and blow it away, you know, but somewhere between 20.7 and 21 zero, that's going to be Caleb's range, I believe. And then you have the next best, which is that right. 21 three. That that's your guarantee. If you're twenty one five, twenty one six, it's a crapshoot. You know, it could be anyone's, and and you don't want to be in that situation. Now, the and the one guy that I want to keep an eye on is um, the young kid from New Jersey, David Curtis, who mm. he he's been twenty one seven. He's gone to North Carolina State. He's only eighteen years old. He, he's pure speed, and I, I think he could surprise some people here. And so if the time ends up not being 21-3 or 21-4 and the second spot is 21-5 range, you, you've got to – he could be right there. Um, I, I would be hesitant on that one only yeah. because he's got to get through three rounds, you know. you no, you, no. you got you to gotta perform on number three. Right. you got to get through one for sure. you got to yep. get through two to get, to get in that top eight. And then you're either put yourself in a position on that second swim to have a ton of pressure or mm-hmm. no pressure where he's, you know, if he's in lane five next to Caleb, let's say, yeah, that's a different story, right? spotlights on him and he's got to perform again. Or if he's out in lane two or seven, yeah. 
-hmm. and he just and he rips one uh that's a different story he could right. do that for sure but um but yeah, I'd, I'd be hesitant because he's got to get through okay. those three rounds. Unless I, I, I got to see more from him, but he's up against some experienced athletes. Yeah, you know? I'm not going to take anything away from those guys, you know. Right, and then Ryan Held earlier this year had a Ryan huge, Held, yeah. huge right. fifty free. Yeah, um, already. So yep. you figure he's going to be he's going to be there. Um, and that's the beauty part of U.S. trials is that you know medal contenders are going to get left home here. Um, it's just mm. an unbelievable thing that like that women's hundred backstroke coming up is, is going to be as big a, as probably in all the trials I've been to, I can't believe what's going to get left at home. I mean, you could see conceivably three, three women under 58. Mm. And so, so one of them's not going to the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, that, Which, that is a stacked event for sure. That's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. And it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick your favorite too, you know. It's yeah, like, very much. I mean, you got the world record holder who she she's hard to get past, and but again, mm -hmm. she's she's young enough to 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 say like, I mean, it's the, it's the first time, you know. So it's like yeah. the spotlight is bam, you know. So I'm on her, right? Look, look, she's performed under that pressure before, so I'm not yeah. going to say that you know she's she's not good enough to do it. She's absolutely good enough to crush that field if she wanted to, but the, the, it's going to be a race. It's going to be fun. Yeah. You know, um, well, what about Caleb? Is he ready to take over the mantle of, you know, um, Michael Phelps, let's say? Like, you know, the, the U.S. has had Michael since, you know, really 2004 where he's been the guy and that's kind of held the team together and, and bumped that mental tally. Is, is Caleb ready to take over that mantle, you think? I, I think so because – with the exception of 2018 Pan Packs, and, and he was coming off an injury there. If you look at the 17 and 19 worlds, he was he was pretty much untouchable. Mm -hmm. You know, he he had the the 50, 100 freestyle, 100 fly. You know, he won them both. He, he's put together twice now on the global stage a triple in a night because mm -hmm. I think he had that he had a double plus a, a mixed relay, where. He, not, he doesn't seem flustered ever. Um, he really does go with things. I, I know it was short course, but the way he performed in ISL action uh, at the end of last year um, in that bubble that they had going, yeah, he's he, there's nothing that, that seemingly he's do, he does wrong in the pool. Um, so, and really, we haven't seen him do anything wrong anywhere. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's his time. Um, you know, I'm curious to see how he approaches the 200 freestyle in Omaha. Does he, Yeah. does he just do, does he, I think he's going to go out there and put a prelim swim in. Mm. Does he look to go a 145 there and show his money and then let the coaches make a decision or does he maybe time trial it in camp? Um, mm. I think he's going to have to be part of that 800 free relay um, for the U S to have a shot, especially with Russia as good as they were at European and they, they have, you know, at their trials too, they have so many 145s now. Great Britain's right there with two guys in the 144s. Australia's going to be there. And so I think you need your hammer uh, on that relay. And I think he's a kind of guy who can deliver like that. And he's, he, let's face it, he's a great Troy guy. He's going to have, he can do a 200. Oh, he can do a 200. Yeah, he can do a 200. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a great Troy guy, and he's doing the work. And and look, for, I, I know some people in that camp, um, and, and they've told me that he is training for the 200. And, you know, it's just a matter of, like you said, how much of it does he do? Does he do the one swim? Does he do the three? Does he time trial? But at some point, I think that is an event that he's looking at being a factor in that relay for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, to, because he can be a guy who's a four relay. He's a four relay cog then for the U.S. because you have that mixed medley now. Mm. Um, and, and that's to, to be able to say your country can rely on you in every relay. Um, that That's he needs that to be defined as an all time great. So what would that put him at? How many how many events does that give him? Does that give him seven. Eight? seven? So, well, I'm assuming it would be 50, 100 free. Right. Hundred fly plus yeah. the four relays. Okay, right. So um, because I don't see him doing a fourth individual event. Um, you know, worldwide he has the when it's at world championships, he can add the fifty fly to things. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, and that's where you get that's where the eight come from. Right. 
Right. Okay. All right. So he's yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, that's doable then. I mean, if he's done the yeah. eight at Walls and been successful, he can certainly do it at the Olympics. Absolutely. Right. You know, and and they've and and the U.S. has the team to win all those relays. They 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 have the numbers. Yeah. The, and going back to Michael Andrew, the big thing with him was look, he's he's still nowhere near Adam Peaty's abilities in the hundred breaststroke, but if he can get down to a fifty-eight low. Uh, open 100 and then split 57-9, 57-8, that's taking Great Britain's trump card out of things. Mm. Um, you know, right now, that's where Great Britain has this. Even though the U.S. has a has a massive edge with 100 backstroke, you know, PD is a game changer, obviously. And so Andrew on the 100 breast being able to be possibly, you know, a 58-3 guy in the individual 100 breast would be, that would be massive for the for the medley relay. Yeah. For sure, that's that's what they need. And and going back to Michael in terms of the fifty free, yeah, um, you know he's going to have to do his best time to get it. But look, I, I think that twenty one three is is where the money's at. I think anyone that wants that second spot needs to hit that one three. I think he's certainly good enough. And and I think, um, yeah, I think there's a number of guys that could that could be there. It's going to be a great race. I can't wait to yeah, be. to watch that and call it. You know, but um, yeah. So is there any are there any people that you know of that could be the surprise, could be the shock of the trials? Well, you know who who's had a great prep is Emma Nordine, who's been training at Arizona State. She had terrific showings across the two, four, eight, and fifteen hundred freestyles at one of the tier meets. I, I believe it was one of the tier meets where she was a, I think she was a four o, a four o four in the four hundred free and. Mm-hmm. Those spots behind uh, Leah Smith's going to be there in the 400 free, but maybe she can uh, bounce a spot in the 800 free, 1500 free. In the in the women, I really like um, Emma Wyant, a 400 IMer, um, to have a real good shot. That's a that's a an open event as well for the U.S. Um, I'm trying to think on the guys' side, just off the top of my head here. I mean, I see this is Ledecky unbeatable at these trials. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think we're about to. I think you're going to see her with a with a huge summer, which could be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see her and Titnus go battle in the 400 free. Yeah, that'll be some fun stuff. And and the really cool thing this time around is there's that there's a little bit of overlap between the Australian trials and the U.S. trials. Mm. That's going to be fun uh, yeah. at the end of the night to be able to digest. Okay, what what have we seen from from both these places? Plus, let's face it, there's going to be some eyes on times from from competitors. Just, just gauging. Okay, mm. where are people at? Um, yeah, and the Aussie trials live on Amazon, man. That's gonna be. Fun that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. yeah, sweet. I love that. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. On the guys' side, um, I think that hundred breast is just so hard to call. You know, even though Michael's there, and but there's just yeah. there's a bunch of guys that can pop. You know, and yeah, I mean Cody Miller yeah. is, is going to be there. Nick Fink's had a very nice. Uh, yeah. A really nice tune-up season here, very consistent, and he's yeah. due for a drop. Yeah. Um. So that that'll be there as well. And Andrew Wilson's always lurking and, and probably just doing what you know is necessary to put to work in right now. And we'll see what you know what comes from him in Omaha. So I think one of the other events is the, the you know Michael Phelps. I mean, this is going to be the first time that a 200 fly at the Olympic Games will not have Michael Phelps since 1996. Mm. <laughs> Wow. Which is that's just hard to believe, right? And, and you have um, right now, you know, you look around the world. There's Luca Orlando was going to be this next um, guy to contend and push for a medal in that event, and obviously has had some some shoulder surgery, uh, shoulder injury stuff to deal with. Mm. Um, so that'll be a pretty open event to see who who fills that void left by Michael Trenton Julian, um, mm. off of a very strong cow season, is going to be in the mix there. So that's a that's another another storyline, you know, for the first time in 25 years, you're not going to have Michael Phelps in a two fly for the U.S. Wild, yeah. Does Lochte make this team? Uh, you know, I've kept going back and forth. If he's going to make the team, it's going to be in the 200 medley, and that's where it'll be. Um, he looks. I mean, when he won nationals in what was that 19? He was carrying so much extra weight. Yeah. 
and he still managed to get a one. I think he went a one fifty seven high there. Um, he's so stinking. <laughs> he's so damn good um, over all four strokes that I wouldn't be shocked if if he puts together a one fifty five. Um, if he doesn't, and I know this is taking the easy way out. If he doesn't, I'm not going to be shocked there either. But he, he's just he's that one. He's that guy who can put together four really good strokes there. And it might just add up to something in the 155s. The question is, is that enough? And again, I and I repeat back to what I said earlier, you know, what Chase Kalish are we going to see? And what kind of finish is Michael Andrew going to have? And where's Carson Foster going to play into this? Because he's a future star. Um, it's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, he is, so. sure. What about this? Who gets the who gets the two spot in the hundred fly for men? Yeah, it's an open one too. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, you've got guys like Max Maxime Rooney floating around. We we never got to see what Rooney could do, um, really, since he joined. Uh, his last NCAs at Texas was was taken. He had that tremendous showing at I think it was Nationals where he was 47, yeah. 47 mid in the hundred free. He was. 50 yeah, he just moved to Texas, I think, like a five weeks before or something. Yeah, so now we're going to see where everything pays off. But he'll be a guy there. I think a lot of people are forgetting Jack Conger. Um, that's a guy who can, who could have an impact. Um, it's you know, Tom Shields, Tom um, Shields yeah. is a veteran. He's, he, and he's, he's had some, some solid swims. So yeah, that's, and again, though, it, it, you're right. It's who's for that one spot. <laughs> yeah. Caleb, Caleb takes that, Caleb yeah. takes that, uh, any leeway out of there because one of them is pretty much gobbled up. The only question mark I have about Caleb is where is he in his preparation? Does Greg, right. you know, Greg doesn't tend to bring his top swimmers all the way down, you know, mm -hmm. um, but this is an Olympic games and, and, yep. you know, he has had some racing, so like he, he's raced, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how far off his best he is without right. being, firing off off where somebody could beat him, you know? Yeah. What kind of, and yeah, what kind of wiggle room do you leave for Tokyo, right? What kind of, yeah. Um, just enough to be able to bring it down again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you need to, but without playing, without really risking a, a total disaster. Um, exactly. Not being prepared enough. Um, you got to get there first. Um, I think in a, in a, in a way, um, someone who like, like Simone Manuel, I don't think Simone has any problems in the hundred free, but all of a sudden there's a little more speed in that women's 50. You've got Kurzan at 24, 17, you have Husk at 24, two, and, and there's, there's some speed coming. So she's going to have to be probably on a little bit more than maybe, mm. um, that maybe they want just to make sure that you get that, you get that spot. Mm, absolutely yeah yeah that's it and that that's kind of, that's the game right now all the coaches right. are playing like you know especially with the top athletes is funk too you know that that sure. funk is just like ah, oh, i just don't feel good right now i haven't rested enough or you know whatever and then this is the one thing where you know the u.s and australia you know the margin for error for them is is minimal to non-existent where, you know, if you're named to a team like like happens at many of these countries, um, you know, the pressure's off and you got to you have to at the same time. I love how David David Marsh and, um, and you've probably heard him say this, um, that it's iron sharpening iron is, is what he's saying. He, the fact that you have to be so ready at U.S. trials only sharpens you for what's going to happen at the Olympic Games rather than maybe a place where you're nominated to the team without having to go through the, the gauntlet. Oh, for sure. I always thought it was a great strategic move for the U S to have their trials. And, and look, some people argue, but from my point of view, have their trials, you know, a month out, five weeks out, and then go to the games, you know, just mm -hmm. with that confidence of like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fast for us back in the day. It was always right. like this five-month window you know you'd go to trials and then you'd have a whole nother preparation because, and we would go through the winter because it's winter right. down in australia summer here but so you and go both of your games Brent, you were march trials right for both of your games yeah right? yeah march trials and then you'd compete in august and so it was like a whole preparation you had to go through again so by the time i got to the games i had all these doubts again and and i'd just gone through winter so i hadn't had that mm -hmm. racing um 
and, and so I just had doubts. And so, I, look, the Australians have moved it now to, to like we see, to the US the same. And I, and I think that just um, it enables them to walk into the games with confidence, knowing that we went head-to-head here four weeks ago. This is where we're at. We're going to walk in. We're going to go head-to-head again, you know. So I think it just adds for, for faster swimming. It's been intriguing to see fast swimming all around the world, man, you know, to with yeah. the restrictions. You know, I, I had some athletes that I was coaching out in California, and the, the restrictions that we were dealing with were insane. It was just crazy, you know, <laughs> laughable if I if I think back to some of the situations we had to deal with the last 12 months. And that's been every swim team. And yet here we are seeing, you know, meet after meet where kids are just flying. And I, and I don't think it's going to be any different at the trials, man. It's going to be a fast trials. Oh, it's going to be it's, – it's going to be terrific. And I, I just love – I love that Omaha venue. Uh, you know, now it's the fourth time it's going to be there. They know how to put on a heck of a show. Uh, yeah, the crowd's going to be a little reduced compared to the past, but it's just a great atmosphere and environment. And I think the other thing that you may see some more speed by breaking it into wave one and wave two, mm. you know, and you've seen this, as opposed to having 1,400 or 1,500 people, yeah. you know, now you're looking at about, six to seven heats of everything you're not sitting around you're not waiting you're not playing that that game of okay i've got x amount of hours because that's how long some of those sessions were uh, i think that could play into some into some uh faster times yeah no i agree i think it's a smart move i think it's gonna gonna mean real fast swimming i think it's i think it's better for the athletes and, and honestly i think they should keep it for the future to be quite honest it should be should be that way i, I have a feeling this thing this thing might if this goes off well um mm. that they might have found something here that that yeah. really works yeah i think it's smart i think it's really smart it was it was getting ridiculous um not to take anything away from the athletes that, that were there it's just too long man. it's just it's too long too long you know um, especially on a you know one of those one of those prelim mornings was three 200s and when you're when you're looking at 18 heats or whatever it was, it might have been 14, 15, 16 heats. I mean, that's that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. Well, listen, John, I've really appreciated this. It's been awesome, mate. Um, thanks for doing it. great chat. Um, the book is below the surface. Hold it up one more time so that people can Sounds check good. it out. <laughs> Boom! This is the one. Go out and order, please, everybody. Brett, I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great. Let's catch up again soon, all right? Definitely. Thanks, John. Take care. You too.